0: That's BlueNile.com.
1: Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business or, let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you. Introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Visit sprout.ph slash monthly 5 k If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode.
0: The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by PDAX. PDAX is a homegrown cryptocurrency exchange that offers the best rates among local cryptocurrency exchanges. Download the PDAX app now on the Google Play Store, App Store, or Huawei App Gallery. Start trading Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies for as low as 50 pesos by signing up on podlink.co slash hustlesharepdax. Also powered by PodMachine. The simplest way to grow and edit your podcast. Sign up now at podmachine.com and use the code HUSTLESHARE to get one free edit.
2: If I would have to spend three, four hours of my day just shipping something, it would just be a blocker and it would prevent people from going online. So I knew that I had to build something that would make it easier, more affordable for people to kind of not have to worry about that shipping part. Welcome
0: to Welcome to Hustleshare. The podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Bae
1: Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share Podcast. We have another OG. This, this guy's an OG that I've heard of for a long time. Never gotten a chance to actually talk to you. So, shout out to my good brother, Christian Blanchera, uh who used to be doing Opinnovate. I don't know what you're calling, what you're doing now, but shout out to you if you're listening. Again, um, we got acquired together last decade ago, just several years ago, with Chatbot BH and then Openavate and Gallium. But without further ado, I need to mention... The man of the hour, Mr. Bjorn Pardo of AHG Lab. Woo-hoo. Bjorn, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me.
1: Again, um, mad respect. I've heard a lot of good things about you from my man, Christian. And again, the resume speaks for itself, right? And whatnot. But before we talk about your amazing career and all the hustles you've done in between, I need to ask you the million-dollar question, Bjorn. What's your hustle?
2: All right. Well, well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. Um, I've been a big fan of the show for, for a while now and definitely enjoyed, you know, all of the interviews that you've conducted.
1: Thank you.
2: But yeah, I mean, as as for my hustle, so I'm one of the co-founders of AHG Lab. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what we're doing at AHG Lab is, is we're really trying to find and empower this, this new influx of entrepreneurs and founders and really help them build the, the next generation of, of tech ventures in, in the Philippines.
1: Nice. That's amazing. All right. We'll delve into that because, again, this hustle of you creating a, a leading venture builder and creating companies at scale is not by accident because you've done it before. Again, one of the few OGs who've done it. And thrived in it because, again, this guy bootstrapped and acquired and whatnot. But before I get turned away, Bjorn, I need you to buckle up. Because we're going to have to ride the Hustle Share Time Machine. All right. Because, again, Bjorn, before we started, I I was being the borderline creep that I was researching on my chest. (laughs) We're researching on previous uh, previous uh, features of you and whatnot. And I saw there that you were selling stuff on eBay way back. But before we even did that, let me just walk through the origin story. Was entrepreneurship or startup something that you had in mind very early on? Or if not, how did you evolve or get, get into this path?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a good question because, you know, to be honest, I... I am still searching for the real answer, right? Mm. Um, you know, entrepreneurship. I mean, I never really wanted to be. I mean, at a young age, I don't remember really wanting to be a, an entrepreneur, particularly, right. right? But you know, when I look back, you know, you know, there were some, I guess, uh, glimpses of entrepreneurship as as a young as a young kid, and maybe this is maybe I'll share a story that maybe. Uh, sure. Will probably will not come up in, in any of the the research. All that right, you've done, there you right? go. Also,
1: share exclusive all right, right. Exactly, here. Exactly. Exactly. Right.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, as a as a ki- I'm a '90s kid, um, and growing up in the '90s, um, you know, comic books and 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 basketball cards and sports cards mm. were all the rage during that time. So, you know, of course, um, those are definitely one of my hobbies. But you know, kind of growing up in the '90s and being interested in those things. And and kind of looking back at, you know, the, the, the industry as a whole, you would yep. see, oh, you know, the rookie card of, of Michael Jordan sold for whatever, you know, a million dollars or the first appearance wow. of Spider-Man, you know, selling for this, right? So that got me interested in, I guess, making money, right? Mm. So in the 90s, you know, although I was interested in comic books and in sports, I was collecting because I enjoyed it. But at the same time, I was also... Uh, collecting as an investment um, wow and so those were you know I guess you know it started off with that, you know really just trying to find you know things that I could collect or acquire and then maybe sell for for a higher amount in, in the future so nice that that's a little bit of a an inside scoop into you know how I got <laughs> no. you know into into entrepreneurship
1: and that's already the precursor to like selling on eBay because if you have yeah. a an eye for stuff that people want, right? Then the only thing is this eBay didn't just becomes a channel, but before eBay, were there any other hustles or did you get into tech? Because as I'm looking at your LinkedIn being the creep that I am a little bit, you also are into dev work. You also uh, knew how to code or is this something you developed over time? already?
2: Well, I mean, you know, uh, I'm not going to say that I know how to code. I tried to learn, right? I I definitely tried to learn. I mean, I I I was always interested in in building things. Um okay. when I, you know, first got started in, you know, building ventures mm-hmm. and um I would always have to, you know, talk with developers and engineers and I I I always really wanted to get my hands super dirty mm-hmm. in in things. Um so I spent a little bit of time and you know, I took a a little bit of a break uh, you know, maybe this is going a little bit too far to the future but I'll just kind of uh, you know, tell you a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't remember what year it was. Maybe it was like the mid 2010s or something where I really um, wanted to spend some time and, and learn how to code. So I took three months off and went to a oh. uh, a boot camp. Uh, nice. learned, you know, learned how to code and you know, I could build an MVP but what I soon realized was that, you know, if I really wanted to be good at this uh, I would have to spend time yeah. and I don't know, I had to choose. Like, did I want to kind of spend time building more ventures or kind of learning how to code a little more? And, right. and I had to choose kind of building ventures, yeah.
1: Yeah, and you have to stick to your superpower because at the end of the day, right, as, as founders, you develop that superpower and you realize that, you know what? As a, as a legit founder, you develop probably three to four or five superpowers at max, but you can't be a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. You have to mm-hmm. specialize somewhere. Because that's where you can contribute most to your team, but that's what I want to now understand. You said that okay, coding's out the window. You tried it, but let's go back to the to the time machine a little bit. Mm-hmm. What was the very first few hustles that became real? Just again, eBay. I saw eBay. What were the first things, and then how did that lead into the first gig, I guess, or or business that you you made?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I was I was in the U.S from i guess the the late 90s to early 2000s and this was like in a time when e-commerce was booming in the u.s like the early stages of e-commerce in the u.s Nice. and you know i was just you know i've always uh, you know ever since as as a young kid um i guess i've been exposed to tech early on like i think in in the u.s i was i grew up in the u.s and as a as a young teenager um i think I think we were one of the first households to have internet in the early '90s. Wow! Um, before it was called the internet, I don't know—I forgot what it was called. But you know, <laughs> I, I just—I just remember seeing, you know, like Toys R Us on on my computer, and like, oh shit! Like this is amazing, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, I've always been interested in tech, and so you know, you know, in, in my early teens, early twenties, or late teens, early twenties, um, I discovered eBay. Um, and I didn't know what it was. I would just always see it online. I'm like, I got to check this out. What's this all about? And then I just saw a bunch of people. I mean, this was like super early days. So maybe many, many of your, your listeners probably will not know what I'm talking about. But, you know, what was, what was being sold on eBay at the time that I, that interested me was, was these, uh, CDs of wholesale lists and, you know, where you can gain access to all of these different suppliers that could sell you goods at a cheap price, oh. and you could sell it on eBay. Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, they were, it, it was, it was, um, you know, they weren't really that helpful because you, you know, th- these wholesalers <laughs> you would normally have to buy in bulk. And, right, you know, right. a lot of, a lot of these uh companies did not want to deal with individuals, but um it got me interested in, in, in e-commerce and, you know, this was again, early days. So, you know, retail arbitrage was, was something that was very, very doable back, back in the day where you could maybe purchase something offline and then sell it like directly on eBay with virtually no competition. And, and people from all over the U S could, uh, could, could buy your product. Right. So I remember the first item I sold was, was a scanner. Um, Uh, yeah, a scanner, an Epson scanner. And, you know, whatever, like as a, as a young, you know, uh, early twenties, uh, you know, ha- earning an extra twenty dollars on a, on a scanner was amazing. And I just found that so fascinating that I got addicted and, and I got hooked wow. and, and I ended up kind of turning that into a, turning that into a real business where I became a power seller. Um, and, and, and eventually kind of you know, kind of getting into all these different things. I'm not really going to get into everything I sold. It's it's too many things. But eventually what I landed on was, you know, kind of being I guess a a, one of the larger importers of exotic wood. Uh, (laughs) And and that kind of that's also kind of one of the reasons why I I, I moved back to the Philippines because the exotic wood was coming from the Philippines and there was a lot of people in the US that were building like things with this exotic wood. And, and, and that's kind of what I eventually kind of landed on as a permanent kind of e-commerce business on, on eBay.
1: Yeah. No, But I want to understand, just again, having a knack or an eye, just again, before when you were younger, you, you're looking for the, the, the Michael Jordan card, right? You have to have an eye for demand. Mm-hmm. And it's not just random demand. It's demand that's contrarian so that you know, it's not a red ocean. And if you see that, it's easy to dominate, and that's a, that's that's a key to startup success. Because if you're gonna be competing, where yeah, I'm gonna compete in e-commerce and be the next Lazada, right, or uh, Shopee, and go head to head with them like that, yeesh, you're gonna have a hard time. But here, exotic wood coming from the Philippines—that's very specific. I'm pretty sure there's not a lot of competition. How did you even see? that demand come through. And then at the end of the day, you're just going to have to worry about filling that supply.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think this was, I guess, happened by, you know, accident maybe, right? But I think it, it you know, when, you, when I boil it down, um, it's really, you know, my willingness, right? You know, I, I think you have to have a willingness to, to go deep and understand what your customers really, really want and what they find valuable about the product that you're selling. Uh, or or offering right and and to kind of give you a, like a flavor, and you know this is this is going to be something that I applied in the physical world or, or physical products, but it can apply across the board, right and mm-hmm. so you know in the beginning of of eBay, I was just whatever i was I was just so fascinated by the whole concept of e-commerce mm-hmm. that I was just selling anything, buying, selling anything right, right. but then um what I ended up uh, landing on—I don't even remember how I landed on this—but I ended up landing <laughs> on uh, uh, billiard sticks, right? Um, and I'm not—I'm not, I'm not a—I don't play pool or anything. I mean, sure, I'll, you know, every now and then, but I was never really interested in it. But uh, I, I had a supplier of of you know billiard sticks in the Philippines, okay. and he was sending it over to me in in, in the US, and and what I. What I realized is that there was there was like a, a big discrepancy of price between you know oh. or selling price between some of these billiard sticks, and I I, I didn't understand why. You know, some were selling at three hundred dollars, some would sell for fifty. And so then I I called some of the some of my buyers and I asked like why 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 did you pay so much more for this one, right? And he goes, you know what? It's 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 that wood that that you put in in your billiard stick. This this really nicely grained. Uh, Would and and i love that and it makes my it, it, you know everyone compliments me on my billiard sticks whenever i bring this one around and so that kind of led me to go deeper into like okay this is this is what um customers are looking for and this is what customers are willing to pay uh extra for so i went right. down this kind of rabbit, rabbit hole rabbit of hole. trying to find you know i went i you know i ended up going going to the philippines you know, this is 2004, going back to the Philippines, 2004 mm-hmm. and trying to find this wood. Um, <laughs> and and so it it, it let it me... It sounded
1: like Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, it, it was crazy.
2: It was crazy. You know, I I, I would, uh, I, I I literally was driving around, like looking for any type of vendor that was selling wood and showing them a picture. Do you know what this is? Do you know what this is? And eventually I found my way to... Somewhere were in Kavita, uh, uh you know, and, and, and this guy knew exactly what I was talking about. He brought me to his, his back room and said, I think this is what you're looking for. And, yeah, that's, 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 uh, that's, I think, that's how I found it.
1: Yeah. And you stuck around, right? So, mm-hmm. ever since then, uh, you're now in the Philippines. But how did you get into tech? Because, again, I'll just breeze through this. Yeah. One, one thing that stuck out, 2011. Is technically, you know, uh, you did some uh, uh group buying, but did that come before Send or Send was the first thing that you did? Oh, how did you get into tech, and how was the experience building all of that tech in the early 2000s or late 2000s in the Philippines? Where oh my god, it's nothing compared to what we have now.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Send was definitely the first, right? And okay. and it was, you know, I I thought of Send. Because of my experience directly, my, my direct experience with eBay, right, in the US mm. and in the Philippines, right, where it's like, in the US, when I was, when I was selling all these things, I would literally have to go to the post office lineup and, <laughs> and, and, and ship my part, you know, I would waste like two hours of my day just to ship oh, the stuff that I sold, right? And, and so same thing in the Philippines, I would have to go to the post office and, you know, the experience of shipping a parcel in, in, the, in the US versus the Philippines is, is different, right? Like, yep. it, you know, going to the post office is, is not a great experience. You know, it's, it's hot. <laughs> there, there's yep. manu- like a manual forms. You can't bring any forms home. You have to do everything there. No one really knew what e-commerce was or like, why are you sending all these parcels? Like, are you, sh- this is, this seems shady, you know, like it was all these, all these, uh, <laughs> oh, all these man. challenges. So I, what I, year
1: was this? Just for red context, just to see how far we've come.
2: Okay. Well, this is like, yeah, this is like 2004. Oh God. You know, like really, 20 years ago. Yeah. 20, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I feel so old, but yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. 20, yeah, almost 20 years ago. But you know, to be honest, I think that uh, you know there's still a lot of the same issues that we were we're facing yeah. now, 20 years later. But I think it's it's getting better for sure, 100% better. Yep. But yeah, I mean, it was it was that kind of experience of you know having to having you know having such a hard time shipping, and it, it really prevented me from focusing on my business. Right, like I could right. if I would have to spend three four hours of my day just shipping something. You know, that, that's three to four hours of time that I could not spend on my business. And I knew that like e-commerce would never grow in the Philippines if entrepreneurs and, and people who wanted to get into e-commerce had to do that. It would just be a, a, a blocker and it would prevent people from going online. So yep. I knew that I had to build something that would make it easier, more affordable for people to, to, to kind of not have to worry about that shipping part. Um, mm-hmm. So that was kind of
1: what happened there. And again, you bootstrap this. Uh, I, I just want to understand how difficult it was to build a product. Because Typically in the Philippines, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. it. We're a service country by default. We're a service-driven economy, service-driven people, right? That, that also plays into our core strengths. But you build a product, right? Of course, there's some semblances of services in between, but it is a product, has a name, is, there's a customer interface, but building a product back then 2000 early 2000 mid 2000s or late 2000s was unheard of right um here i just want to understand how did you build the mvp the core and how difficult was it to get off the off the ground
2: yeah i mean that's a that's a good question and i'll have to try to you know I, I can't believe it's been almost 20 years, but yeah, I'll have <laughs> I'm to <sorry>. try
1: to carbon date you like that.
2: Yeah. I mean, it definitely, definitely, um, you know, definitely a different time. Right. I mean, I think the tools that, um, that are available now were not available back then. Um, and you had to be creative. You know, you had to, you know, definitely get your hands super dirty. And, and, and I remember you know, I, I guess you know we started to build the actual product. Maybe, you know, maybe around 2008, 2009. Um, you know, maybe for the first three, four years, we were focused a little more on uh, helping like Filipino entrepreneurs that were selling abroad. You know, selling to the U.S. market. So there was really no product to be built yet, and I was waiting for when. You know, internet penetration started to increase a little more. So this is like 28, 2009, when like I think Suleit was 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 kind yep. of uh, kind of coming coming up. In you know, eBay came into the Philippines, so people started to to start to trade locally. Yep. Um, so see. Yeah. And so I remember, you know, we, you know, maybe the first MVP was, you know, us just creating this really simple web page that you know people had to you know kind of every time fill out their address and we didn't have any type of registration yet right so it was just filling out wow. your address every single time and then once you submitted that form that would just go to like some person who would be writing addresses on a whiteboard and and you know <laughs> try really make trying to make it feel like it was a seamless experience but right you know that that that's what you got to do in the beginning is is really kind of you know do things in the background um, Wizard, manually, of all said, Wizard of Oz style, Wizard of Oz style for sure, for sure.
1: Right? The, the, um, the, but okay, how did you then grow this? So you got this, and this is where the very semblance of startups wasn't even called startups back then. The, the term startup in the Philippines was pretty much used on mass around 2012. Back then, e-commerce was the like, yeah, People didn't even even didn't even know what to call that. What were your early struggles, and how did you build early traction percent?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, to a certain extent, we were lucky that we were super early movers in that, you know, we, 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 we were, we essentially kind of were able to grow with the market. Uh, you know, the market was very small when we started. So, you know, we could start off with maybe a couple riders that were picking up and delivering parcels. And as, as e-commerce grew, we would just kind of slowly grow with the market. So we were lucky in that way. But to really to really, you know, get the word out there that Sen was cool and, and Sen was, uh, you know, something that could be helpful, you know. And and this is very applicable to this day, right, is that we we went super guerrilla marketing style where, you know, I would be going into, you know, at the time, these were, I don't know, if forums and chat groups online. Yep. I don't even know what platforms those were on back then. <laughs> and, and really kind of saying, hey, you know, Sen, is this cool, you know, internet-based courier company where you he can help you save money and we'll go to your house. You don't have to spend any time going to the post office anymore. You know, check us out. And and it just kind of started to snowball from there where people started to share it and, and it, it kind of, you know, had some sort of viral effect and and we were able to to, to grow um, and gain traction that way in the early days.
1: That's amazing. All right, now, before we take our last break, this is this going to be a lot of what I'm... I'm, I'm going to be asking you, especially for, for Send. Mm-hmm. I want to understand the bootstrap part. Because mm-hmm. again, VC or venture funding did not exist or was not uh, wildly discussed probably around 2012. Or even in 2012, there weren't even any decent checks or any logical check that was going around. People were buying for it. But it's not the ones that you see. And if there were people being funded at that point prior to that, it's just few and far between. So your only option is to really get profitable. And it's hard if you're trying to grow for massive growth. But how did you do that for Zen?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think there's two parts to that, right? And, and here's another kind of inside scoop. You know, I would say definitely. Yes, we had to kind of think creatively and think hard about how can we be profitable from day one um, nice. and how can we sustain this business, right? But, you know, going back to even a little before that, right? I mean, like you said, right, VCs and venture capital was not a thing um, mm-hmm. until maybe 2012 at, at the earliest or something around that time, right? Right. So, you know, I can tell you that the early days of, of, of Send was, was built on maxing out my credit cards, and you know i mean that was i i you know that that caused me to to have uh, bad credit for a while um yeah. but you know again you have to do do what it takes you know do, you know you, you got to um if you believe in 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 what you're doing and that you will eventually be able to to kind of make that good yep. you might have to make some sacrifices in the beginning that's what i had to do but yeah. but yeah i mean like to, you know to answer the uh, it in in the um you know the other kind of solution um, is really to kind of think of like, how can we be profitable, profitable from day one? Okay. And so, you know, I knew that, you know, I was definitely passionate about helping entrepreneurs and, and, and helping, you know, the Filipino e-commerce industry grow. But what can I do to kind of sustain that side of the business? And so, and this goes back to kind of what I was doing on eBay was, which was, you know, sh- selling, shipping things, from the Philippines back to the US. And because oh. of that, I was able to develop like relationships with all, all, a lot of these international courier companies, right? So I was able to mm. get really great discounts. Nice. Um, so one part of our business um, of Send was really serving any type of company, whether they're e-commerce or not, for their international shipping needs. So international shipping is, is very lucrative and profitable, very high margins. So yep. we were, we were like helping manpower agencies, law firms send documents abroad, right? So we were sustaining and, and kind of, you know, uh, uh, supporting, you know, the, 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 the other side of the SEND business, which was e-commerce with this, uh, I guess you could say B2B, yep. you know, business. So, and that's, that's applicable to this day, right? I mean, I think there's a lot of, a lot of companies that have to kind of, do that, you know, have like this one cash cow that would support maybe a, a larger vision. And that's kind that's of what correct. we had to do.
1: And, and if you're, again, especially for a local startup, right? Um, a lot of times, you know, a lot of VCs, especially in this climate, nobody wants to write a check. Mm-hmm. The real ones that will survive from idea, from the big ass whatever thing that you want to tell the world, is the ones that will actually find a way to find a cash cow. You know, and sometimes you got to do things that you don't want to do, you know, because beggars can't be choosers in this market. You know, you got to you got to find where you can make money and get to profitability as fast, because when you get profitable, then you will have leverage on when to when you need to fundraise and how you can operate your business. You're not under pressure to survive.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I think, you know, I I think. I think that, you know, if you're passionate enough about what you're doing and you're, you're in love with whatever problem you're trying to solve, yep. you know, kind of doing whatever it takes comes naturally. Yes. So I think that's, that's, that's kind of one of the most important things and is really, truly being passionate about what, what, what you're doing. And I know that might sound cliche, but um, <laughs> it, it, it really, you know, that really gets a lot of entrepreneurs through the t- difficult and tough times. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's how you will then know how uh, gritty and how much you'd far, how, how far you'd go for your business. All right. Now let's take our first break. And when we come back, let's now talk about how you then grew send all the way to your next few things that led to AHE. Well, let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. we're back in the break. We are still with Bjorn Pardo again of AHG Lab, who then are telling us about his early days in SEND. But again, the early days does not even illustrate how amazing his journey is with SEND at least because he did 16 years and one month doing this, (laughs) right? To be very specific. But I want to delve into this because there's a massive evolution that happened in SEND Right. Was it the same product through and through or did you like evolve? And if, there, if you did, what were the products or product that, that, that it ended up doing?
2: Yeah. I mean, we again, we're, we're, you know, because we had to bootstrap, because we had to be prof- profitable from day one, we had to have different business units. You know, as, as I mentioned um, earlier, right, like we had this international shipping business unit, which was focused on a whole different market. And, you know, then we had the, the kind of local e-commerce logistics business unit, which was focused on entrepreneurs and e-commerce and, 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 and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, kind of along the way, you know, we, you know, we definitely had to build our own tech. There was no off the shelf software at the time. Wow. We had to build everything from scratch. So we had, you know, all of this technology that was custom built and that was built for a, a local uh courier company so that eventually became a business of uh, on its own and then and then you know maybe another one was you know as we you know because i've always been passionate about you know helping entrepreneurs because i was a you know e-commerce entrepreneur myself so i i i I knew the issues and problems that that uh you know these these entrepreneurs are going through um, and so I always was looking for, you know, what other services can we offer to make, you know, their 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 lives easier. And so, you know, we created a service, a service at the time, which eventually was spun off mm-hmm. that helped, um, you know, the same uh, these same entrepreneurs okay. um, source products from ah. from the U.S. and and resell it locally. Um nice.
1: kind of similar to a galleon in a way, right?
2: got um, it, it,
1: but not drop shipping.
2: Uh not drop shipping, not drop that shipping. It. But then yeah, another business that was eventually acquired, kind of in between all of this, is is a company called OK OK Group Buying. Group buying was very oh. yeah, group buying was very popular in the 2011, 2012, 2013
1: I was part of the game. I was working with for Groupon in twenty eleven. Okay, there you go. And there that go. was so cutthroat. <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. It was a race to the bottom in terms of who's going to, you know, subsidize all these discounts.
2: Yeah. Right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, but again, with us, we were we were thinking of it from the 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 vantage point of entrepreneurs, right? And, yes. and 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 so we were doing something a little different. We were saying, okay, we'll create a group buying site that would allow our existing entrepreneur e-commerce seller base Okay. Uh, sell their excess inventory, right? And, and so, you know, it was a group buying site that was focused on entrepreneurs and helping them um, liquidate their their excess inventory. So right, right. Um, that was eventually acquired by, uh, which eventually became kind of another company that I co-founded in, in Quad X. Um, oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. So, yeah. So we had to build all these different, like we, you know, it, it, you know, SEND evolved into all these different kind of separate business units um, at the mm-hmm. end of the day.
1: yeah, Right. So this is the interesting thing that I really wanted to do. So it basically it sprung off to two to three startups on its own. And if you look at how VCs all, always like, and again, or how modern startup education is being taught, they said focus on one thing and do that one thing right. But you did the opposite you have to again bootstrap find a way to do it and spin out multiple businesses and still get them all acquired right the question is how do you even get that done in terms of you know the the manpower and the trajectory because it's very few founders have the ability to even focus on one yet alone you did multiple and still thrive in each how were you able to get that done
2: yeah i mean i think um, I, I'm definitely a big supporter of of, of focus, right? But mm-hmm. then focus is is subjective, and if but if you look at what what we you know what I was doing at the time, I, I would argue that uh, I was focused, right? M- maybe with the exception of maybe the other kind of international shipping business, which was kind of necessary for us to survive, right? That Correct. was that was kept you guys afloat. Yeah, right. But everything else, right? I would argue that. We were focused. We were focused on what can we do to help the e-commerce entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so we were focused, laser focused on that. And if that was shipping, if that was importing, if that was helping them uh, liquidate their excess inventory, they're all connected in that we're trying to help the e-commerce entrepreneur, right? So there is this nice. concept called, you know, um, it was coined by the founder of uh, what's, uh, um, Ah, uh, anyway, his name is Parker Con- Conrad, right? I forgot. Hey, uh, Black for- Conrad. Yeah. Okay. So he has this concept of what they call a, of what he calls a compound startup,
1: right? Compound startup. I've never heard of what is a compound startup, but
2: well, okay. I'm, I'm going to butcher this, but, um, basically, <laughs> you know, a compound startup is, is you are focused on something, right? Not necessarily a specific, kind of mm. feature but you're focused on maybe a, a, a target market a customer right. and what other kind of services or benefits or or, or, or features can you build for this customer that mm. are tightly integrated that can help them with whatever they need to achieve in a more end-to-end way right so that's what uh, that's what yeah, we were doing yeah, right is we were yeah. saying okay we'll help you with the shipping but then We'll help you with the importing of of products, right? And Mm -hmm. then um, that's integrated, tightly integrated into kind of shipping that out to your local customers. And anything that is not sold, you can kind of list on our on our OKOK you know group buying website, right? So it's you know, so I I feel like that, yeah. Focus on something, but think about kind of the compound startup concept a little more.
1: And compound, mean it means technically still narrowed down on a specific target market. So I, I now understand how that works because technically that's what we did also in Podcast Network Asia. Mm-hmm. So we started out when 2019 started as basically a venture builder but for podcasts, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we took our bets with multiple podcasts and whatnot. Our business model, our only business model back then is we get this, these guys' traction so eventually, they'll become a Spotify exclusive. They're going to get licensed out, nice money. Or if they get super traction, they're going to get advertisements. And whatever they make, we do a share. They get the lion's share. The problem with that model is that advertising in podcasts isn't mainstream yet. So the, mm-hmm. type of, the type of budgets we were getting were not enough to keep us afloat. And if we stayed that route, we would have been dead by now. So in the, in the essence of Compound Start, I didn't even know that that's what I, we were doing, we realized our superpower because we went from zero to 230 podcasts in two years. It became the wow. biggest podcast network in Southeast Asia. And we the, the, the real superpower that we realized was that, shit, nobody can produce podcasts at this scale anywhere. And you said, arbitrage, yes, arbitrage is always going to be cheaper to produce shows English, world-class quality from here in the Philippines. Yeah, wow. So we then productized. We sassed out our production process. Amazing. And sort of like bootstrap this. We started this in February. Now we're almost breaking even. We're on track to be cash flow positive. I had a 50-man team. Wow. It was fucking crazy. It was scary. There were a lot of close calls this year, <laughs> right? Um, but we got to this point where, holy shit, we didn't have to let people go, because they're our biggest asset also. right? A lot of problems. And I'll share this somewhere down the road, but I'm just giving you a glimpse. But as a compound startup, you still narrow down into the same customer or the same you know, vertical, mm-hmm. but find other ways to make money and productize them. And without, without doing it, we call it Pod Machine. that's mm-hmm. the sponsor of this, this podcast all the time. Without that, we would have been dead by now because then we realized that, holy shit, we're not just Southeast Asian. The same thing that we're doing applies to the U.S. So our biggest clientele are podcast networks in the U.S. who need help with their production because, again, arbitrage is in our favor. Nice. There you go. We have a little bit of a scent in our blood. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> right. So walk me through. So after all these these products, um, what was the end? Because, again, you have all these things. What was the, the, the end of the journey for Send?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think when, we, when, when I first started Send, it was, it was really all about um, how could we help e-commerce entrepreneurs conveniently and affordably ship their parcels so they could grow their business and, and at the end of the day, really try to grow the e-commerce industry. Yeah. And so this was around like maybe 20, 20, maybe, maybe it, from 2016 to 18, or maybe even earlier, maybe 2015, um, to 2018. Um, you know, e-commerce was, was, was definitely growing. Um, you know, I think the Lazada Shopee were already here at that time. Zalora, all, all those companies. Yep. There was a lot of VC attention or, you know, it was gaining some VC attention. So we had a lot of acquisition offers. I, you know, to be mm-hmm. honest, when I first got into this, in, into entrepreneurship, I didn't know what venture capital was. I didn't know that there was an opportunity to exit like I just wanted to build a company um so I was learning about kind of my exit opportunities and and investment opportunities kind of on the fly yeah and so I so it was very foreign to me at the time and, and I just knew I wanted to I wanted to continue to build this uh and so you know 2015 you know for the you know first couple of years when I was getting a bunch of acquisition offers um I wasn't I wasn't seriously entertaining them you know, maybe looking back in hindsight, it's like, wow, maybe, maybe, you know, I could have probably uh, exited at a higher valuation, um, I, but, you know, I think, you know, everything happens, I don't know, maybe everything happens for a reason, but I think you have to kind of learn from every experience that you, yeah. you, you go through and, and turn it into a positive. But, mm. um, you know, I think in 2018, I guess I can sum this up with a, with a, a, Uh, here, I'm going to butcher another, uh, another thing, you know, this is a Steve jobs quote. Um, (laughs) I love quotes. And, and, and so there's this one Steve jobs quote that I remember where he was saying, you know, if you wake up too many days in a row and you're not looking forward to what you're going to be doing on that day, you got to change something. Right. Uh, So this is 2018. We had already achieved, you know, what we set out to achieve in helping entrepreneurs. There are already a bunch of, you know, all of the incumbents that we were, that we disrupted were already focusing on the same market that we were focusing on. Everyone's focusing on SMEs. Everyone's, you know, all these, there's all these foreign, you know, e-commerce logistics companies in in the country already kind of serving this, this, this growing market. Right. Um, and, and, you know, not to say that we were, that we were, uh, being eaten alive or anything like that. Like we were still thriving. Like we were still top of mind when it came to, nice. you know, uh, you know, shipping a parcel for an e-commerce business. Like we were growing organically at a crazy rate. We spent zero money on marketing. We, we benefited from wow. our first mover advantage to the very end. And, yeah. you know, we didn't have, we, until the end, we didn't have to spend anything. Like we were organically growing every day. And, mm-hmm. but, you know, I knew that, you know, there were so many more problems that entrepreneurs had that I needed to maybe put a little bit more focus on. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and so, and we'd already, you know, logistics was already, you know, there's a, still a lot of things that need to be done, but it was, it was mature enough where uh, the companies that were serving um, the, the market was, 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 was already great. So in 2018, you know, not a traditional kind of exit, but, you know, yeah. because we built so many different kind of business units, we, um, you know, we were able to kind of, Treat them individually and, and exit each one of these companies wow. individually from uh, the international business to kind of, um, you know, the tech, uh, the tech, uh, that we built and, and we end mm-hmm. up kind of, you know, licensing a, a lot nice. of, uh, you know, our software to c- companies that are s- still operating to this day, you know, the, the next day logistics business to, to a different company. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the, uh, the company that, um that helps entrepreneurs import from the US and resell locally. That was officially spun off and that's still existing to this day. It's called Genio. Um and so that's kind of growing organically. So that was, you know, kind of like the un you know untraditional, non-traditional kind of exit. But it, you know, we were able to maximize Right. Um, you know the the value because we had so many different business units,
1: right? And that's still way better than what I experienced with my first startup, which is completely dying and crashing and burning, right? So at least you were able to, you know, um, get ROI of one some 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 sort of sort of fashion for each. But here's what I wanted to ask: is there's not a lot of uh, people who know how to answer this that have lived this life after all of these these acquisitions? What did it feel because when I got acquired in Chatbot BH, I still had to run it, but there was a sort of itch. And I didn't, for a, for a few months before I started podcasting, the big question in my mind was, what now? What was that like for you? And what was the next step?
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess it was, it was a bit, uh, I, I guess a little bittersweet, right? I mean, yeah. I was doing it, like you said, for 16 years in a month. Yeah. So it was, it was, <laughs> It was my identity. It was it was who I was. It was in my you know. It was part of my DNA already. So, it was definitely like you know you know you it it did feel a little foreign, right? That okay, yeah. yeah, What what next? What am I going to do? All I knew was I I wanted to um, that passion for helping entrepreneurs. And if I could sum it up, right? I mean, I think what my passion really is is kind of trying to level the playing field for entrepreneurs. And, and, and create something that'll give them access to preferential pricing, benefits, services that would be normally reserved for larger companies, right? So, nice. And so, you know, when you think about it that way, there's, there's so many other things that you can do. Um, and so at the time, I, I wanted to focus more on Genio. That was kind of like, okay, this is my next thing. I'm going to help. I'm yeah. going to scale this and, and grow this and but then you know kind of coincidentally um i stumbled upon this company called ubx and i had a friend that that worked in 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 union bank and um you know i was telling him about my idea genio and he said you know what you know union bank is 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 start is gonna build or start this kind of venture builder um Mm. called called ubx and and uh you know, they're going to be focusing on SMEs and they want to build, nice. you know, tech that'll help SMEs and entrepreneurs. And I thought, and he said, you know, like, you should, you should talk to the guys over at UBX. I, I'll, I'll, I'll introduce you. And right. long story short, right? I mean, it, you know, pure coincidence um, and serendipity, you know, I felt like, okay, this is, this is exactly what I want to do. And I feel like that with the platform of Union Bank and UBX right. that I could make a larger impact. And so for, you know, about two and a half years, I was, you know, leading commerce and payments at, at, wow. at UBX and, and built, you know, a payments aggregator and an e-commerce platform, um, similar to like a Shopify over, over there. So, um, nice. yeah, that's, yep.
1: I've, I've had the, the, the chance to talk to John Jay here on yeah. the show before, uh, talk to the, the some of the guys, uh, as well there, but I want to understand. So this is. This is really coming from experience. How different is it being an EIR or being someone, an entrepreneur within a venture builder arm? Because now that's what you're doing with AHG. You are the guy helping venture uh, or, or EIRs create businesses off of the ground. But for you, as that guy during that time, how different was it when you were just doing you know, your own show without the support that you needed? I guess- Discuss the pros and cons working in a venture builder per se.
2: Yeah, I mean, kind of working in a venture builder as the kind of venture builder, or you know, maybe kind of EIR, um, so right. to speak. You know, it 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 allows you to focus like almost solely on on the product. I mean, I love mm. building things. I love building things. So that I was that was a a super plus for me, where I didn't have to worry about like. Registering a company, hiring, finding, you know, a team of people, team of developers, marketing. Not about um,
1: payroll. Yeah, payroll,
2: know? like <laughs> all these kind of all, all these things that you would normally have to kind of be hands on, yep. on with with a you know kind of with your own company. So that was definitely a, a pro for me. Like I, I love building, so I was able to get uh, my hands dirty with product development working with developers working with designers i love that and you know understanding the customer talking to customers i love i love that um so that was a huge plus um you know it definitely allowed uh, you know me to kind of build uh, you know we, we we launched our mvp of, of bucks which was the payments aggregator in yep. like three sprints six weeks maybe
1: are you kidding me
2: yeah so it was you know so that you know if you are if you can focus you can build fast right so we were able to do that we scaled that up to a hundred thousand users um we were helping a bunch of entrepreneurs you know accept payments Mm. so that was a huge plus right and you know i wouldn't say really like a a con but something is different right is that you know you do get um you know you have to think about the bigger picture of the
1: organization right and so for there's an agenda that you have to like tick off
2: yeah i mean and 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 i i totally believe in the agenda right and i i get it and then i you know um but it's something different it's another kind of thing you have to think about right Is like okay how how you know how can how can what you're building kind of integrate back into maybe the other ventures of UBX? How can it integrate back into, into the, the mother company? Yep. Um, so those are, those are additional things that you have to think about. Um, not necessarily a con, but something different. Um, nice. Yeah.
1: That's, that's amazing. Now, I, I want, I'll just fast forward a little bit. Just after UBX, you did home credit and a couple more stints. But now, fast forward to AHG Lab. With my man, Mark Wieman, our investor from Foxmont, also our angel. But how did that journey, because again, now it comes full circle. Mm -hmm. You you come from being an entrepreneur all on your own. You worked under a a venture builder and now you built a venture builder. But walk me through first, because ahg has been around, Mm -hmm. right? Um, How did you bump into this opportunity and how did you then become the guy creating the lab
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, like you said, right. I mean, I think I've, I've had like the full 360 experience and, you know, coming from being a, a, a serial entrepreneur, I knew like I'm, I'm always going to be pulled into, into, into ventures, into opportunities that are going to be more entrepreneurial than others and, and that are more maybe independent than others. Mm -hmm. Um, so and, and again, my, my kind of underlying passion is, is helping entrepreneurs. Right. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, again, another, another kind of, uh, coincidence, right? Or, or, or serendipitous moment in that, you know, I know, you know, our, our common friend Christian, you know, is, is very, you know, well connected in the tech community.
1: And he is the father of startup pH. Let's just oh, give yeah. him that. Definitely. Startup PH, the group, not the, the L.S. area that you see in GME. Oh, like, <laughs> he he's the one who created that. So again, credit where credit is due.
2: Definitely, definitely. So you know, through through Chris, I, I met you know a very talented founder in, in Carlos Silva, which
1: shout took- out Carlos Silva. By yeah. the way, if you see my background, this is in me remote. Yeah. Definitely. This is the studio in We Remote. We built Podcast Network Asia in We Remote Metrowalk until they start deciding to tear it down in a few years. But while it while we're up, <laughs> before they turn it into a subway station, we're kicking it there. There. So, Carlo, shout out, amazing entrepreneur again. Uh, yeah. One day you'll have it here. You, it's overdue, my man. If yes. you're listening to this, it's your turn next.
2: Definitely. Jeff. shout out to Carlo. And yeah, I mean, so I was talking to Carlo about an opportunity with we Remote, and we met at the, uh, we met at the AHG office um, and, you know, Mark was there and, you know, I learned a little bit about kind of what, what they were doing. And I thought this is, this is perfect, right? I mean, helping entrepreneurs, helping this next generation of entrepreneurs, you know, what the future of tech would be in the Philippines and I knew that this was something that I could, uh, that I could help with. Um, nice. And uh, yeah, here, here I am.
1: All right. Now let's take our last break. And when we come back, we will then talk about what they're building and the type of startups that will be springing out under the AHG Lab umbrella. Well, let's talk about that more after the break. <laughs> business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions for liberating your time for what truly matters. the power of fintech through digital banking so if you're ready to elevate your banking experience download the uno mobile app today from the google play store or app store or if you want to collaborate with them i'll be happy to give you an intro just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com Hey Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor Dragon Pay is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to DragonPay.ph. That's DragonPay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust DragonPay. And we're back in the break. We still with Bjorn Pardo, who now told us, again, the 360 journey from being an entrepreneur, working under a venture builder, and now having a venture builder himself. Yeah. To shout out to CB, father of uh startup PH, and Carlos Silva of We Remote. Um, but I now want to understand. So when you met them, what was the goal? Because you said it was perfect. What was the vision that you saw that you can buy into? That that you know the stars seem, seemingly aligned.
2: Yeah. I mean, kind of being, you know, kind of building my own startup. I knew the the challenges firsthand. Right. Like like I said. Right. It's like um, hiring a team finding, uh, finding developers that'll build your product for you, you know, marketing strategy, building financial models, operations, all these things. Right. And I, to, to a certain extent, you know, those, 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 those things, you know, slowed me down. Um, and I, I, and I couldn't focus hundred percent of my time on, you know, some of the other things where, uh, that would help grow and, and, and benefit my business. Right. So, you know, when, when, they were, when they were talking about how, how they were doing things differently in that, okay, they would provide all of these basic services to the founder and entrepreneur and also provide like true hands-on support from experienced entrepreneurs, operators. Um, I thought that was a perfect fit, right? Because like when you look at other kind of maybe venture builders or, or you know, kind of maybe incubator programs, you know, you know, a lot of times it's very kind of high level. They'll give you some uh, advice and like support and, you know, mentorship. Right. But nothing yeah. really that gets um that, 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 that where everyone kind of gets their hands dirty. And this is something Got that's it. different over at HG where, you know, we have all of those basic kind of services in, in the marketing department, tech, all that. But then at the same time, we have like a very diverse team of entrepreneurs. Um, operators, you know, like you said, Mark, very experienced in, in real estate and DPO, and, and, and just kind of growing companies. You know, myself, e-commerce, fintech, and we have a couple people from Europe that have been involved in venture builders, and just like a super diverse team of people that are going to get their hands dirty and help entrepreneurs build um, nice. ventures.
1: Yeah. No, but what what type of ventures? Because typically, when there are venture builders, it's either they're completely agnostic or they're vertical-focused. In AHG Lab, uh, again, AHG stands for Alternative Housing Group. What are the verticals or what type of founder or venture builders or founders are you looking for to build with?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, our, I guess our foundation is uh, was built on our experience um, from two of our other co-founders in, in the real estate space, like Mark being one of them, another, another one being Marcel. So they are their leaders in, you know, co-living and, and, and the dormitory uh, space. Right. So they yep. built, um, you know, two of the largest, yeah. My town being one, two of the largest um, co-living and dormitory operations in the Philippines. So, you know, like inherently, we knew firsthand the pains of, you know, running these types of properties. Right, so our first layer of ventures were focused on prop tech, right, mm-hmm. you know, one being you know called Colo, which is a property management system that is really built for you know these types of of properties and and there's nothing you know like when you look at what's available out there, there's like property management systems that are built for you know um hotels and and large yep. condominiums, but nothing really built for you know bed spacing or dormitories, right so we, you know, the first layer of our ventures were solving problems that, you know, we knew as, as Hg that were, that were problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but once we started to kind of, you know, look deeper into, you know, the communities around these properties and, um, and the tenants and the guests, we, we realized that, you know, there's so much more opportunity, right? It, it's, it's, the, the opportunity is much bigger than than PropTech, and we call it PropTech Plus. Mm-hmm. And that really means, you know, what else can we do within these communities that surround these properties that we have, um, that, we, that we operate and, and, and have access to? How can we make their lives and the community's lives easier and give them access, again, access to, to services and, and products that would be normally maybe reserved for people in the CBDs?
1: Yeah. And that's, that's amazing. But at the end of the day, um, the, the, the success of these potential uh, startups revolves on the type of founders you get. Mm-hmm. So, it's the, again, I've, I've had a lot of venture builders here coming through, through, through the podcast. And I, I've, I've contributed significant enough uh, type of founders to apply mm-hmm. uh, or, or join. But what type of founders and what type of expertise are you looking for uh, in, in AHG?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think something a little different uh, with us, right? Is like maybe with some other venture builders are looking for, you know, maybe people with more experience um, that can, you know, maybe grow a venture kind of independently by themselves. And that's great. I think those are, those are, that's a great profile to have, right? But mm-hmm. I think, you know, we're trying to kind of be more inclusive, you know, in that we're, HG and, 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 and the individuals, like the, the people like me and the other people kind of at the, at the venture builder level that we have, can help augment an entrepreneur with, you know, some, some of the experience that we've gone through and help them kind of get through these things, you know, with them, where... Mm-hmm. Um, and provide them with, you know, all of the support that they need to for them to be able to focus. So when we look for entrepreneurs and, and founders, we're really looking for people, more than anything, who are, you know, close to the problem that they're that they're trying to solve. Ideally, you know, are you're 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 solving your own problem. I think you yep. know, some of some of the best founders are solving their own problems.
1: Scratch your itch.
2: Yeah. There's definitely, you. definitely. You know, those people who are super passionate. And people who are willing to get their hands dirty, um, and and who are open to open to the support that we're willing to give. So I think that was that's what makes us a little different in that we're 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 open to people with a little less experience where we can help augment them. Mm. And you know, we're really looking for passionate, passionate founders more than anything.
1: That's amazing. But once they're there, okay, what do they expect in terms of support? You said again, there's being surrounded by veterans or people who have been there and done that as a plus, but what are the other perks that they can technically jump on? Because a lot of the listeners of Hustle Share also are those people who are on the cusp or are on the precipice of becoming an entrepreneur. And I always said it before that if I was like starting out and I just want to get my feet wet, but I'm scared of risking it all, <laughs> whatever I had, had left or I have accumulated, doing a venture builder approach or joining a venture builder is the easiest way in. Because you get to learn startup skills, startup pressure, and startup everything. But it's not just all you, right? Unless you want to crash and burn like we did, right? But again, that that's a the whole other thing. But this is the healthy middle somewhere in between. But well, um, you know, what are the perks that they're gonna get if they join your venture builder in AHG lab? Yeah, I mean, I
2: think you know, I truly believe, and I think we truly believe at HG that you know, the the best way to build ventures, or the next generation of like successful tech ventures in the Philippines, is is the venture builder model. I think that you know, when you look at the evolution of you know, digitalization in the Philippines, it has you know the pandemic has accelerated the country and yep. and fast forwarded the country into a a a a, a digital present right where everyone is accepting digital payments now people are everyone's buying online now when you know just the, you know 2 years ago it was not the case right so now you have this you have the infrastructure there and so now there's 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 this new influx of entrepreneurs that are seeing all of these opportunities because of the infrastructure that's already there mm-hmm. um, but they don't necessarily have the experience the expertise maybe even the confidence to start a company on their own so like you said i think this is this is the really the the um an alternative and for us we believe it's the best way
1: to to build
2: to build uh to build a venture so you can expect us to you know all you really need right is is you need to be passionate about and and you know what what you're building you know ideally a deck that would be great you know you can kind of Mm -hmm. show us kind of what 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 your uh (laughs) what what your venture is all about right and you know we, we move quickly if if we if there is a a, a fit um, if if we feel that the 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 problem is is worth solving there's a huge opportunity we can we can close we can bring you on board in, in uh, you know the next day really literally what? the next day It's um, crazy and yeah so we'll we'll you know like what you can expect from us is like you know from day one um, you know we'll help you. Uh, think about what your MVP should be. We'll help you build your MVP. Right. Um, we'll help you build a team if you need a, 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 you know more, more, more members to your team. Yep. And then, you know once we get to a point where we can help you launch a product, then we can help you fundraise, right? You um, we can help connect you to to, to different you know seed stage uh, VCs and investors, right. angel investors, and just continue to provide you with the support that you need. Um, and, and eventually hoping that you can become a little more independent, right, where you can, you don't have to rely on HG the whole, your whole life, right, it's like we want to yeah. get to the point where we can help you in the beginning, you know, come start your, your, your venture, guide you through some of the things that you need help with, and then become independent as you are able to fundraise on your own.
1: That is amazing! Again, thank you very much, uh, Bjorn, for sharing the amazing things that you guys are building. But again, we are not going to end this episode and leave all these people hanging on how to join. If they are now sold or they're curious on how to join AHG lab, how do they reach out to you and where do they do that? Yeah. So
2: go, go to our website, ahglab.com. Check us out, check out all the different, uh, you know, ventures that we have and what we offer. And, and send us an email. I mean, we, we're, we're always looking for entrepreneurs. We're always looking for passionate people that are passionate and, 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 and um, you know, looking to solve big problems and want to make mm-hmm. an impact on, on the digital future of the Philippines. Yeah, reach out to us. We're, 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 we're hungry for, for entrepreneurs.
1: There you go. And if you want to work in the middle of Sinigang Valley, that's where they work as well in the heart of all the startup activity in the Philippines. Again, Bjorn, thank you very much. But before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any type of podcast app. Uh, if you see a five-star rating, give us a feedback on how we're doing and how we can improve the show. And if also we'd say, we did say some jargon, it's going to be the show notes on HustleShare.com. And lastly, if you want to be part of the HustleShare community, please join us on the HustleShare community on Facebook. Again, Bjorn, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.